The scripture reading this morning will be in Psalm 37, page 550 in the Black Pew Bible, if you want to turn there with me. It'll be in several places of chapter 37, Psalm 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now to verse 9. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. And just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Now to verse 21. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. And now verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful we're able to, to meet. I, I'm in the middle of a um, series walking through the Sermon on the Mount. We're in the Beatitudes. We are in the third Beatitude, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. You can turn there if you'd like. We'll be flipping other places in just a moment. But I've got a, a picture I want Missy and Sarah to put up for us, let you see, to kind of get us started on um, this. This is part of my family. We're in, in Thailand, and my family was riding an elephant. That's something, one of the blessings of being overseas, you get to do things that you would never get to do in Tipton County, and this is one of them. We got to do this many times. We would go to Thailand for meetings regularly. But what's interesting about riding an elephant as you're in an elephant camp is you look around at all the elephants and all the people gathered there and you have each elephant will have a trainer, somebody that would be in charge of that one elephant. And what's interesting is there's no fences. And there's, you know, it's, it's not like you're going to tie up an elephant. You know, with dogs, you know, you have a dog, you have a kennel or you have a horse or you have cows, you have a pasture and you have a fence that keeps them in or whatever. But in an elephant camp, you don't have that. So what keeps the elephants in camp? I mean, as I'm looking at the, the elephants, that thought came to me. It's like, what keeps the elephants from just running off? They just want to run back to the jungle. They just run back to the jungle. Who's going to stop them? Nobody. And in fact, they have a, one person that's in charge of them that keeps them at bay. And this, this man, is, he's, he's Thai, and he's about 5'4". And he weighs about 110 pounds. And he has a stick. It looks like, like a billy club about this long. And on the end of it, it has a hook. And he'll use that to, to pull the, the trunk or maybe tap their leg or something like that. But that's all he uses to, to keep that elephant in check. That elephant is a, a picture of what we see in our third beatitude. Meekness, Matthew 5, verse Five, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. See, this 
elephant is, has a wheel and is very powerful, but it is restrained. I mean, the, the elephant could respond. It could, at any moment, run or do whatever it wanted to do, but what does it do? It chooses and it's, it, it's restrained. It chooses to, to do what its master, its handler, tells it to do. And, and this is the third beatitude, the third attitude that ought to be, the third key to the kingdom. And we said the first, as Jake's already mentioned, is poor in spirit. We need to see ourselves, we must see ourselves the way God sees us. We are spiritually bankrupt. We are spiritually a spiritual beggar, if you will. And when you see yourself the way you actually are, a spiritual beggar, it calls us to mourn to be broken over our sin. And this progresses if, we're, if we see ourselves for who we really are and we've truly been broken over our sin and we've repented over it, then what happens is the next progression is we're, we're, we're meek. And it's not something, that, an attitude we have within ourselves. It's, it's God-given. Right? It's a result of God working in our lives. But meekness has been defined as power under control. It's the picture oftentimes is like a horse, a big powerful horse that's bridled. It has all this power and energy, but yet it's controlled. And I think about the, the elephant. All this power, all this muscle, but yet it's restrained. It's kept in check. Before I define meekness further, I want to give you a, maybe a character studies, if you will, three of them. The first being Moses. He exemplified meekness. And Numbers chapter 12, it, verse 3, tells us that at the time of Moses' life, he was the meekest man to ever live. And in Numbers chapter 12, he's being opposed, he's being attacked by none other than his siblings, Aaron and Miriam. They were jealous of Moses and they... they Ask in verse 2, Has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Has He not spoken through us also? And so God answers with an emphatic no. He has not spoken through you. And we know that because Miriam is inf inflicted with leprosy. And if you read that passage, you see how Moses responds. He didn't retaliate. He didn't justify himself. The only thing he did was to ask the Lord to heal his sister, which the Lord did after seven days. Moses didn't seek retribution. He didn't throw his weight around. He could have, but there's restraint because he was meek. That's Moses. We also have Abraham. Abraham was meek as well. He and Lot were living together. They had their own flocks, but they lived together. And But after a while, their flocks began to grow and the land couldn't sustain both their flocks. And in fact, their, their shepherds began to quarrel. If you read that passage, you'll notice Abraham's deference to Lot. He told Lot, choose which land you want. It's yours for the taking. You just choose what land you want, and I'll take the lev whatever you don't want, I'll take. And of course, Lot, being the rascal that he was, he chose the best land, right? In fact, it's interesting. Why was he being blessed? It was because he was with Abraham. 
But yet he chose the best land for himself. But what did Abraham do? He didn't complain. He was content with what he had. He didn't get aggressive. He didn't demand his own rights because he was meek. That's meekness. And meekness is a key to the kingdom. Those of us who see ourselves as spiritually bankrupt, we're broken over that fact. And when we see ourselves rightly, we're meek. We have this trusting humility about us that allows us to respond to God rightly and to others rightly as well. Jesus, when He says, Blessed are the meek, He's describing Himself. This is His character. This is His disposition. Jesus is the third example. He had a he had great power, but it's under control. When Judas led the Pharisees and the chief priests into the garden to arrest Jesus, okay, we're going to turn in a passage, John 18. Whoever in your family gets there, the others have to wash the dishes for the rest of the week, right? We've been doing that for a while. John 18. John 18. Okay, so in the, if you have the black pew Bible, it's page 1074. Let's read a few verses here. Verse, starting verse 3. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there, the, the garden, right, with lanterns and torchin, torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, what do they do? How do they respond? They drew back and fell to the ground. Now that's interesting. Why did they fall back? Why did they fall to the ground? Was Jesus yelling at them? Did he scare them with his big gruffy voice? No. He uses his name, he says, I am he. And it's, it's actually, translators help us with that, make it a little more palpable for us, but it's actually I am. It's the same name that was used when Moses talked to the Lord. The Lord talked to Moses through the burning bush. I am. It's his special name, right? What happened when he used that name? It was powerful and it was forceful and they fell to the ground. And yet Jesus, who is all, the all-powerful Messiah, who speaks and the blind see and the deaf hear and the dead come forth out of the grave, what did He do? He allowed them to bind Him and lead Him away for trial and crucifixion. Jesus had enough power and ability to get away, but Jesus chose not to. He had power that was restrained. That's meekness. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, it tells us, When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who, just, who judges justly. And that really, that, that verse captures Christ's character, but it, it captures meekness as well. He didn't retaliate, but he, he was restrained. But what did he do? He trusted the Father, right, to accomplish his will. Matthew 26, verse 52 and 53, when Judas brought the soldiers to arrest Jesus in the garden, this is Matthew's account. Peter, what did Peter do? You remember Peter? He was a little impulsive, wasn't he? 
he took his sword and he cut off the ear of the, the servant of the high priest. And then Jesus responded by saying, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? In other words, Peter, I don't need your help. Put your sword away. If I, if I wanted to, I could call down all these angels and, we, and end this thing right now. But he had this power and he had this authority, but yet it's restrained, isn't it? He allowed them to do what? To lead him off to this mock trial and, and his crucifixion. He had an ability to get out of the situation but he's meek and he refused to avoid all that was facing him. Ken Hughes describes Jesus as being made out of tender steel. He said, man, he was powerful, but yet he was tender as well. So these three character studies here, these three men, they help us understand meekness a little bit. There's self-control, there's contentedness, there's a voluntary submissiveness that doesn't seek to self-justify or defend oneself, right? Even when these false accusations come, it, there's not this quick desire to make that right. And it's hard when we're describing meekness, it's hard to find one fitting synonym. Sometimes we can describe something, define something, or help understand something by saying what it's not. And of course, it's not associated with weakness. Meekness, not weakness, right? Somebody... I, Shared that with me this morning when they walked in. It's not indecisiveness. Weakness, uh, meekness doesn't mean ineptness. Doesn't mean that they're, someone's a pushover. It doesn't mean that someone lacks courage. It doesn't mean that one is overly submissive, like a doormat, right? Not a milk toast type. And it doesn't mean someone's easygoing. Sometimes, oh yeah, you're kind of easygoing. No, it doesn't mean easygoing. Although an easy, easygoing person could be meek. See, the meek person is not meek because he lacks the resources to do anything else or to be anything else. But a meek person is meek because he chooses to be. He chooses to be. And there's other texts that take this same word and translate it using different words. Gentle, gentleness often is, um, is used, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, that same word, meek, gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Galatians 5, verse 23, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. You know those? Can you know, you know those, Riley? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and that word, same word there, gentleness. Self-control against such things there is no law. There's the same word there, gentleness. First Peter chapter three, speaking of wives, do not let your adorning be external, right? Don't get so caught up in the out, outward appearance, right? The braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a same word, gentle and quiet spirit. That helps us a little bit, doesn't it? Lastly, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with what? Gentleness, same word there. Gentleness, yeah. 
gentleness. So gentleness, meekness, they go hand in hand. Also, other, other translators um, translate the same word, humility, humble of heart, patience, forbearance. There are other words uh, that have been used as well. And I said earlier that meekness is a, a trusting humility, right? Because there's a progression. All these keys to the kingdom, there's a progression. We realize our sinful state. We're poor in spirit. We're spiritually bankrupt. We can't help ourselves. We need the Lord to help us. There's a brokenness over it. And that brokenness is godly sorrow. Remember, we talked about godly sorrow. And godly sorrow leads to what? Repentance, right? Godly sorrow leads to repentance. And, and repentance is like a, 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 a... It has two sides to one coin. It's like a coin has two sides, but they're different, but they're, they're, they're one. And... and Repentance is turning away from sin, running from it, but then trusting Christ as well. So it's a, a turning from sin and a trusting. And so when we mourn over our sin, that's what we're doing. We're mourning and we're turning from it and we're trusting, aren't we? We're trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord for what? Well, we're trusting for salvation. We're trusting Christ's work on the cross as our own. Jesus died for me. He was buried and He was resurrected for me. Right? He did that for me. We're trusting that He'll do all that He said He would do. Your Word says if I confess my sin, you're, you're faithful and just. You'll forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. So there's a, a faith element, isn't it? And those who are meek, we have that attitude, first of all, towards the Lord. And it's, when we think about meekness, we always think about how we relate to one another. And that's true. Meekness, it spills over, but it, it, there's also a meekness that deals with, with the Lord. A, a lowly... Humility, a trusting humility, right? Realizing that, that everything above hell that we have is a privilege. There's a, a trusting humility. We're yielded to the Lord, trusting the Lord. You're going to do what you say you will do. I know that everything that I have is grace. Everything good I have is grace. I deserve nothing but damnation and wrath, but you've given me grace. And so we trust Him. And, and not perfectly, right? Especially when we first become Christians, we don't, we're, we're not perfectly meek. But we trust Him, right, to do what He said He'll do. And then expressing this trusting humility towards God leads us to being a, helps us to be able to be meek towards other people. It's an outflow, if you will. We love because He first loved us. We love others because He first loved us. We love Him because He first loved us. We forgive others because... He has forgiven us. We, the meek are gracious because they've received grace. They're merciful because they have received mercy. They're forgiving because they have been forgiven. See, the meek, they don't have to take matters into their own hand and insist on their own rights. They're, they're not easily offended. And this is, this is going, we're going to start stepping on some toes here. My own, for sure. We're not easily offended. We're not ready at the drop of a hat to take offense. Right? The meek, when offenses come from others, they're trusting God in His providence, knowing that God will make all things right. The meek don't have to retaliate or get restitution because they trust God to do what is right as the just judge. We'll, we'll, later in the Sermon on the Mount, we'll talk about turning the other cheek. Well, how can you do that? Someone slaps you on one cheek, you turn the other. Well, how do you do that? You do that because you trust, you're trusting there's a, a, 
a trusting humility. We're trusting in the Lord to, to make that right. The reason we don't want to do that is because we want justice. But no, we can, when we're trusting the Lord, knowing He'll make wrongs right, we can turn the other cheek. We don't have to get, we don't have to retaliate, right? So whatever synonyms we use, we can add trusting to the front of it. I think trusting gentleness, trusting patience, trusting forbearance, trusting restraint, trusting self-control, etc. And it says that blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The blessing that comes with being meek is that they'll inherit the earth. And Jesus used paradoxes a lot. This is a, a paradox. Um, here's just a few that Jesus uses. Last is first. Giving is receiving. Dying is living. Losing is finding. Least is greatest. Poor is rich. Weakness is strength. Serving is ruling. Now the, the world and the worldly will say that they can't afford to be meek. We don't want to be meek. We have to get while the getting's good. Those in the world have to justify their actions and defend their cause. In the world's eyes, the meek and the humble get trampled on and left in the dust. Living overseas, we lived in a, um, a country, there's one-fifth of the world's population there. and People are everywhere. You go to the countryside, people are everywhere. And so I'm from the south, and I consider myself a gentleman of sorts. And so you think, well, I'll, I'll hold the door open for people. You know, people are coming, you hold the door open for people. You don't do that in China because you hold the door all day because the people never stop coming. And no one ever takes the door and says, oh, you go ahead, buddy. I got it now. I, I'll take my turn. <laughs> they never do that there. Never. Because it's dog eat dog. And you think, well, I'll let the, this elderly person go before me, get in front of me in line. No, you don't do that there because people will keep going and keep going and keep going. You just have to, it's dog eat dog. You have to kind of get in there and sling bows, right? If you're trying to mail your package, if you're just waiting sweetly in line and helping people and letting people get in front of you, you'll be there all day. It's dog eat dog world. That's kind of the picture of the world. Get why, get why the getting's good. Take care of your own. Don't think about others. That's what the world preaches. That's what the world teaches. John Stott says, The world would not say that the meek are blessed. One would think that meek people get nowhere because everybody ignores them or else rides roughshod over them and tramples them underfoot. No, it is the tough, the overbearing who succeed in the struggle for existence. And that's what we, the world teaches, right? But the meek are okay with God providentially bringing difficulty in their lives. The meek can trust God to right wrongs and vindicate the innocent and deal with the guilty. When it's all said and done, those that have recognized their spiritually bankrupt condition, they've been broken over that sorry state, they'll be meek. And what will they do? They will inherit the earth. Now, I've been humbled by the Lord. I've been meek at times. And that's important because that's the key to the kingdom. To be a believer, you have to have this characteristic to some degree, but I struggle to keep that attitude that ought to be. It is a key to the kingdom, and we must have it. But we have it imperfectly, don't we? 
but it needs to at least be imperfectly present in our lives. If it's not emerging and growing, then we very, may, very well may not be a child of God. Think about that. Are you meek? Is meekness a characteristic of your life? Have you been meek? It's an important question. And notice the, the blessing of the meek. God will give them the earth. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I get sick of the earth. I get sick of the condition, the state of our world. We talked about that last week. We as believers, we mourn. We mourn over our own sin, our personal sin. But we also mourn over the sin of the world, the injustice and all the terrible things that happen. The meek shall inherit the earth. Who wants this sin-filled, fallen planet? No one, really. But when Jesus says the earth, he's talking about the, the renewed and changed earth, isn't he? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Speaking of the coming day of the Lord, when Jesus comes, Jesus is coming back. You know that, right? Right? Jesus is coming back. That's our hope that Jesus is coming back and he's going he's gonna to take us to be with him and it's all going to be good forever and ever and ever and ever. That's what we long for, to be with him and to be like him, right? 2 Peter 3.13 But according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. See, this old terrible world's going to be destroyed and a new one's going to be made by the Lord. Revelation 21 is kind of a long passage. We'll read all of it because I think it's important to help us. John, he had a vision, right, of the new heaven and new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Right? And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning or crying or pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new, the, right, the new earth, the new heavens, and they'll become one, right? Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, to the thirsty. Are you thirsty? I will give... From the spring of the water of life without payment, the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. So the new heavens and the new earth, that's what we inherit. And in Psalm 37 that Morgan read for us, our scripture reading today, you, you have the Israelites, they're in the land. But they don't possess the, the promised land fully and outright and they live among sinful people and they themselves struggle with sin. But yet they're encouraged all throughout that. It says the meek will inherit the land. And so what Jesus does is he extends that. Not just the physical land. We're not phys we don't, we don't think about physical inheritance of a physical land like they did in the old covenant. But we think about the new heavens and the new earth, right? Jesus extends that. But Jesus all through, or the, David all through that psalm is encouraging the readers, encouraging the Israelites to be meek. 
obey the Lord and to trust Him. To trust Him. Again, that trusting humility, right? Well, a couple questions for you. Are we meek towards God? Are we meek towards God? Are we humble and yielded and trusting He is providentially watching over us and in the end will make all things right? I mean, again, this is progressive. This is the key to the kingdom. You firstly must be poor in spirit. You must see yourself for who you really are, a spiritual beggar in need of help from the Lord. That should cause you to mourn, to be broken over your sin. That should progress and allow us to be meek towards the Lord, yielded and humble. And then are we meek towards others? Are we a meek people? Can we say that about us individually or as a church? Can we characterize the people of Beaver Baptist Church as, yeah, they're a meek people? Well, we should be. We should be growing in that. I know it's a imperfect meekness, but it we need to... It's the attitude that ought to be, right? And maybe even if you're, if you're having some struggle with this, let me explain it this way. The opposite of meek is proud. The opposite of gentle is harsh, right? So the proud one is fleshly and not teachable. They're quick to criticize, quick to correct. They have an inflated self-opinion, so they can't learn from other people. Is that you? But the meek humbly receive the word implanted, which is able to save our souls, James 1, 21. The proud, which is the opposite of meek, don't receive correction. When others point out faults, the proud cast themselves as a martyr, explaining away their sin, excusing it away. Is that you? But the meek know they are capable of not only that sin, but much more. And they also recognize they could be blind to it. The proud are harsh with others. They grumble self-righteously and complain about every, everything, every institution that's flawed. They can't see in the weakness of others their own weaknesses. But the weak, the meek, not the weak, but the meek are gentle because they have a self-awareness right, that they possess. They have this self-awareness that allows them to be gentle with other people. The proud are not willing to serve. Menial tasks are beneath them, but the meek accept the lowly place and the lowly position without resentment because they trust the one who will one day exalt them. Right? The humble will be exalted. Yeah, are you meek towards God? Are you meek towards others? Are you a meek person? And this isn't something that you just kind of grit your teeth and get her done and possess this characteristic, this character quality. It's a supernatural work of God. Left to ourselves, we're proud and we're harsh, not teachable, overbearing. But God wants us, wants to work in us to be a meek, trusting, humble people. 
have you ever been poor in spirit? Do you know that you're a sinner and deserving God's wrath? That's true. You say, well, I don't, you don't even know me. Yeah, but I know people and I know the Bible. The Bible says that we're all deserving of His worst. And the truth of the matter is we'll receive that wrath. We'll receive the worst from God. God is just and He lets no sin go unpunished. But His Son, who took on flesh and lived among us for 33 years, He did that 2,000 years ago. He took on flesh and He obeyed the Lord. He was meek. He was our exemplar. He was our law keeper. And He, he was our atoning sacrifice. He went to the cross to die for sinners. He was buried and He was raised so that sinners could be justified. He was raised so that sinners could be meek. Have you experienced those keys to the kingdom? If not, I want to encourage you to repent. Maybe today for the first time you recognize that you're spiritually bankrupt, that you can't help yourself and you're in need. Maybe today for the first time you've you're in mourning, broken over your sin. I want to encourage you to repent, cry out to the Lord, turn from your sin and trust Christ's work on the cross as your own. The Bible says if you repent, that God will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He'll give you new life. He'll make you His child and give you eternal life. Maybe you have repented and you... As I read off these attributes, you say, well, I, I've experienced those to some degree, but boy, I sure am lacking. Me too. Let's pray for each other that we would be a meek people. People who trust the Lord humbly when offense comes and when things don't go our way. We trust the Lord to providentially bring about things in our lives that we need. Trust Him to make us more like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that You are good and acknowledge that we need to see ourselves the way You do. We need to be self-aware. And Father, I know that many are here that's seen themselves rightly and they've been broken over their sin and Lord many of us have yielded to you in obedience by repenting of our sin and trusting Christ's work on the cross as our own Father there is a meekness there but it's incomplete and Father I pray that you would help us all to be meek people yielded to you submissive to one another Lord that we would be gentle and lowly in spirit. Father, we need your help to do that. Father, our default mode is to be proud and be arrogant and not to take a rebuke and to point out others' faults and not see our own and to be harsh and to be complaining and grumbling. Lord, we need your help, Holy Spirit. Help us to be meek and lowly like Jesus. Lord, do that so we can give you glory. Do that so our church can love each other like we should. 
Father, you are showing yourself mighty and and also tender. Father, you're showing my own sin as I study these Beatitudes. And Father, I'm needing your help. I want you to do a work in my heart, make it more like Jesus, meek and lowly. And Father, if there's anyone here or anyone watching that's yet to repent and trust Christ, I pray that you would be gracious to them. Lord, do a work and let them see you for who you are. Father, grant them that repentance and faith they need. and May you change their life today. Father, it's a, a wonderful thing to be in church. and Lord, it's a wonderful thing to have Facebook and, and for people to be able to watch our service and participate that way. And Lord, I ask that you would use this, this message for your glory, for your kingdom's sake. And Father, for our church and our church family, those that's not here, there's many that are traveling this weekend for the holiday. We pray for grace for them. Pray for grace for the Brown family as they're mourning their loss. We pray that you'd keep us safe, Lord, as we're living among uh, difficult days with this virus. We ask for protection for our church family. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.